This is the Horse Radio Network. Footing matters. This week, Ellie is sharing the highs and lows of building a perfect arena on her farm. American eventer Allison Springer joins us to talk about her own farm buying adventure and bringing along young horses. And we answer the long-standing question, does feed-through fly control really work? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 83 of Heels Down Happy Hour. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. How are you guys? Good up here. Getting frozen in. Ellie can't go anywhere. Yeah. Hey, it was it was 38 today. I was sweating. Oh, Balmy. <laughs> oh As in, God. Justine and I are like, oh my gosh, we had to put on like a winter jacket last week because it was freezing at 50. I know. I know. It was. It was crazy. This episode is brought to you by Eagle Gold. You guys need to join the Eagle Gold Riders Club on Facebook. It's a group on there where you can meet other riders, get access to exclusive Eagle Gold events and sale information. Just search Eagle Gold Riders Club in the Facebook app and join out on some fun. All right. So I have an interesting drink for you guys. And I'm curious to think, or I just want to hear, like, are you guys interested in this? Like, yay or nay? Because I, okay. I feel like you could go either way with both of you. Okay. This cocktail, I'm, it's called a Jack Rose, which sounds, you know, just, I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm curious just from the name, right? The ingredients are Apple Jack or Apple Brandy. A little bit of lemon juice, freshly squeezed, grenadine, and then you garnish with a lemon twist. So you're going to add the apple brandy, the lemon juice, and the grenadine in a shaker with ice. And then you shake until well and pour it. You're going to strain it and pour it in the glass and then garnish with a lemon twist. What do you think? I think that sounds pretty good. I like brandy as like a almost like a secondary liquor in, in drinks. Like I add brandy when I make homemade sangria but I, i've never used it like how did cocktail were the where it's main... the primary ingredient yeah, yeah. so i thought this sounds one was good i don't know i know i'm a i'm a big brandy fan like oh, apricot yeah? brandy i just drink by itself like i just think it's oh, so I this love is brandy. up your alley this is this is fruity and has brandy i can i can get behind this yeah um, I don't know about I, the I lemon couldn't... twist. Might have to. It's getting a little too fancy with garnishes, <laughs> oh but um, I could get behind it. <laughs> I think All I could right. do like one, and that was it. Yeah, I was gonna say with the with the grenadine, you know, that's pretty sweet. But yeah, I don't know. I like it. All right. So, you, so what do you got for news, Jess? I was gonna say there has been. We've been talking about you know Corona and that virus and everything out. Well, we haven't heard the term like equine herpes virus ehv in a while and it's you know shut down shows here in the past and everything else well it just shut down the e ces valencia spring tour in france which is a big show that was actually happening and they had a couple horses break out to it so they had to cancel their for during their fourth week of competition they had horses show up they were supposed to go for another three weeks so that, and it was FEI events. So they ended up having to notify all the riders and all those horses. And they actually, this is the part that I found interesting because I've only, you know, heard about it at USEF events here and stuff like that. But I didn't know that when it happens that FEI veterinary regulations, like that article rule, any horses that attended Valencia since the 1st of February. So two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, I guess it have been three weeks ago from this. They're actually blocked on the FEI database and aren't allowed to enter another FEI event until they fulfilled the testing requirements detailed in an attached letter that they all get. Wow. And I found that interesting because, you know, we don't know where all the horses have been and all this, but this horse show in Spain, like they canceled obviously the last couple shows, but then also the interesting part for me was like the FEI shut down the, you know, CSI shut it down. So I was like, wow, an FEI. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, that's, that's really serious, huh? Well, I mean, it is a serious thing and I'm glad they're taking it serious, but I hadn't even thought about like, it's very easy for the FEI. Cause when you enter an FEI event, you have to go and enter it through your federation and stuff. So it was very easy that those horses listed in the CSI 
under FEI rules actually can't enter another horse show till they've done the proper testing and everything to make sure they're negative, which is actually a really good thing. But normally there's like 2,500 horses and they like can't track down what barn was what. And it's kind of a Mm -hmm. headache that this time it was all, all of the FEI horses had to be in compliance of that. Wow. I thought that was interesting. So, yeah. And so once again, another virus kind of gets us, but in this right. case, it's Let's a little bit different. Just add another, add another pandemic. It is, <laughs> you know, I don't think that's murder hornets. I'm still waiting to hear what the heck's going to happen with these murder hornets. <laughs> okay. I thought they were gone. I don't know. I'm afraid to look up anything about them because it freaks me out. Oh Last God. I heard, they found them in Washington, like in the Pacific Northwest, but I haven't heard of them. Going yeah, I think they're too. gone too. Yeah. You know what they remind me of is like the really big mosquitoes in Jumanji. That's kind of what I imagine is going to happen. And I'm just like, I'm not even surprised at this point if it happens. That is awesome. So I have I have some uplifting crazy news that like made my legs hurt sympathetically for this man. So that's an odd way to start a news. <laughs> right? Does that have to do with your leg hair? No, I shaved my legs, by the way. What? I did. I did. On Valentine's Day, I was like, this is my present to you. <laughs> also, he bu- also Matt got me a toothbrush for Valentine's Day, and I'm like, "What are you saying?" <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't give you actually clippers that we talked about. <laughs> but anyway. I was really hoping you were going to clip your legs, like with real horse clippers. Um, yeah. I was going to, but then I was lazy, so um, I just wanted to be done, be done, because it was it was unruly. So anyway, so not back to my your other legs. legs, yeah. A man's legs. So it's actually kind of cool for me because when I studied abroad in Ireland, I've I've been to this track. It's I'm gonna pronounce it wrong probably. It's the Navan race course in Ireland, which is outside of Dublin by like Proudstone. But I've been here, stood in front of these steeplechase fences, and they're terrifying. Like they are enormous. And this guy, Hugh Morgan, won a race. With no stirrups because his first one snapped over the first of the 17. Oh so my goodness. Instead, he dropped his other one and made it over 16 steeplechase fences and managed to win, which is insane to me because I'm like, not only are you jumping like taller than me by a lot, you're, you're jumping at a very fast speed with a whole bunch of other horses very close to you and you don't have stirrups. So kudos to Hugh Morgan. Uh, he made some joke about, you know, he's, he feels great right now, but he's guaranteed he's going to be uh, sore the next day, which was super funny. So kudos to him. Um, if I could do that, that would be cool, but I'm not about to try it. So no stirrups. This is why we practice for in case of these uh, situations. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what do you have, Justine? I have an interesting sciencey story this week. Why am so, I? Of course you do. <laughs> I know. I feel like this is my niche, guys. So anyway, so new research came out that kind of suggests what probably something we've all we all already know as as people who are around horses, but that horses are able to use gestures when they want something, which I think is interesting. So think about it. Like when your horse wants a treat, you know, they come up to you, they they buggy with their nose right they're like hey pay attention to me so anyways uh this story in horse sport magazine uh shares a couple of different studies that show um some evidence that horses can use gestures to engage their handlers intention toward a desirable or inaccessible reward bucket including like so horses can nod their heads or alternate their gaze between their handler and the treat bucket or they whip their heads around as if they're like pointing at the bucket to try to get their handler to go like, yo, give me that treat in that bucket, which <laughs> I totally believe. I feel like my horse would pick up on that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And But what's interesting is, so this, um, this research, there are a couple of Austrian researchers who did this study. They said that the horses only made these efforts if the humans were looking at them. So they had, they knew that the, you know, their handlers were paying attention to them. They were looking at them and that's when they made these gestures to go, Hey, give me the treat, which I think is kind of smart. You know, they're smarter than we think they are sometimes. So, but this story in horse is really interesting. It, it shares several different studies. So what I just shared is from an Austrian study from 2016, but they talk about other research from Japan in 2017 about how horses 
use gestures like touching and pulling and pushing their owners uh, again to reach out to a treat. <laughs> I think basically this is just a bunch of expensive science that says horses will do whatever they can to get a treat. But um, but it, it just shows you that, you know, the animals can they can interact with us in so many different ways, right? Like they're trying to get human attention and they're trying to hold our attention in certain ways. So it's a really interesting story that we'll link in the show notes and you guys can learn more about it. Can I just mention how happy this little diagram in the article makes me? (laughs) I'm like, this is my drawing capabilities. (laughs) And that's like a published medical journal (laughs) image. You have to see it to believe it, guys. Like, uh, they could have hired my niece. She she would have gladly uh, taken on the challenge. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. So we just want to say thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. If you love this show and you want to help keep us on the air, you should really consider donating. Every little bit helps. You can t- contribute monthly. We're posting original content on our Patreon in between every new episode. So you're getting exclusive interviews and exclusive content and exclusive videos. Like when Jess gave us a tour of the World Equestrian Center in Ocala. That's all on our Patreon. And it goes specifically and exclusively just to our subscribers. If you want to be a subscriber, you can go to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash heels down. So, guys, I want to ask you guys about farm equipment that or your favorite tools around the farm that you can't live without. So I'm going to say for this, the purpose of this conversation, the barn cats do not count. But obviously they are the superior species and should be considered as essential farm equipment. But so what do you guys like? What can you not live without? I think the obvious one that we like can't live without is the tractor gator four wheeler. Mm -hmm. Those are like our essentials have to can't live without for sure. But I feel like those are pretty obvious. Right. Yeah. Those are good ones. It's funny that you say that because I'm um, I obviously don't own a farm. But I want like a Kubota, something like that, that I could put in the trailer to bring to horse shows just so I have, you know, maybe a golf cart might be more simple. for Yeah, that, but probably a golf cart's easier. Yeah, something that basically like my husband can sit on while we're at the horse shows all day. They're those little mini golf carts too. Yeah, they make the little, like I thought about the little like mini bikes, but I want something like I can sit in too. Yeah. You know? No, there's these little ones I'll like post it that basically they fit into a slant load spot. So like oh, we awesome. have our big golf cart and it's yeah. great. Like it goes everywhere. Like Doug drives around the golf cart at the farm too, but that also goes in the trailer, but it takes up so much room. Like we, ours is huge, it does. Yeah. but there are those little mini ones that even come with roofs and then go in, into the slant load trailer. Oh, you got to send me so those. Tiny. That's I'll perfect. Send it to you, Cause that would be perfect. Those are great. Holly, was talking about it's funny enough she needed one to my sister-in-law so she just got one but we were telling her we're like oh they're great i first saw them my friend Lindsay had them and they were perfect i that would definitely recommend those Mm. so what about you ellie what's like what can you not live without on the farm well i guess my first question is do you use your four-wheelers like to pull a spreader or like because i i the people who own my house before and own the farm they had built like basically sides on a dump body Kubota. So that is like one of the things I can't live without because when I'm doing stalls, I just put it in the back of there and then I can just back up to the manure pile. That's I, great. I hate wheelbarrows now. <laughs> I never want to see one ever again. <laughs> so we have, we have the dump gator. So like dumps, whatever, mm-hmm. Kubota gator, we have that. But then also what we'll do is we have the four wheeler and it does have like a taglon little wagon thing. And so, I mean, you could pick stalls with it and everything else, but it's great. They'll put hay in it and like grain. And then if the horses, like the babies are at the top, they'll run it up. And so they run grain and stuff in it. I'm not going to lie. Like 99% of our horses can go behind the gator or golf cart. Too. I mean, the gator or four wheeler. So that's always easy too. So if they're going to like 10 buck two, they'll pony along. Or like when we were at the farms that were neighboring over and we had to move a horse or swap them, half the time the gator transported them. They were totally easy. <laughs> Only certain ones, not like certain ones we would tweak out, but like the babies, like all those, they don't care. They follow everything. 
So I also have, and this is, I mean, not new to me. I mean, this is a new one, but I grew up with one and it's like one of those electric room horse vacuums. And I know they're making like a smaller one now to like a, like, it's like a, it's like a satchel. I think it's called like curry vac or something like that. Like you um, vacuum the horse? Yes. Oh, those what? are great. We what? have one. Oh, okay. we love it. So the electric room, I grew up with it. Like when I was at a show barn and it makes grooming so much faster, especially like mud and like Oh, sand. for you up in the grossness, mud and they're a little hairy. Oh yeah. I couldn't live without that. That's yeah. for sure. Dry mud. It just whoop. Like, especially, yeah. you know, with working a full-time job, like it's one of the things I have to have because I, I can't get things accomplished. It takes, you know, an hour and a half to get off all of the gunk efficiently i i don't like dirty horses so i'm a little bit of a anal person when it comes to like i'm like i don't want to speck at her um but, but also it's so great for even the clipped ones because you know how you like want to spend like 30 minutes or you like want to want to have to spend 30 minutes to get them that really good shine and everything like curring them yeah this is just like the faster way of doing it because it brings out all those oils and stuff and it really is it is really really nice what about the, I've seen the vacuums that people have for like the aisleways of the barn. They're almost like a big shop vac instead of, you know, blowing with a leaf blower. My mother had one. Are those, are those worth it? it? Oh, no, we really? hated it. We hated it. Like Courtney was like, he had the rubber pavers and they'd like start to, you'd put it down low and it almost like suck up the rubber pavers. It was so strong, but it just took forever to like, you know. Like, think about it. Like, when you're vacuuming, you have to go back and forth. So, it was, like, really tedious, where it was almost... I don't know if it does as well of a job. It definitely doesn't by blowing the aisle. But it is definitely faster and easier to blow an aisle than to run one of those things. And they're huge. They're massive. Don't you get a lot of dust, though? And like, the blowing? With the blowing, yeah. Because I had Probably. never seen that really done before until, blowing? like, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I've always... With a leaf I've blower? Always, I've always swept an aisle. Like, oh my God. Are I'm you serious? You to the rubber pavers. You don't want to sweep anything in those. Yeah. What? I mean, everybody leaf blows in Florida. I've never, yeah. like, what? every barn I've ever been to that has a concrete aisle, you leaf blow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have a so rubber max and I sweep. <laughs> Apparently, I'm I'm missing the boat here. You want um, to talk about so time? Long. You yeah. want to talk about time and that you don't have time to, like, curry your horses? But you I never said I them. did. I never said I swept often. I said that I sweep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. That's funny. Yeah. I, because I the saw... blowers can take, like, two seconds. Like, if it's mm. just a little bit, you, like, blow it real quick and it, like, looks amazing. And it's the clean. Blo- yeah. And it's clean. It looks yeah. so good. And I would yeah. say, like, the vacuum probably would do a better job. But, man, it takes forever. Well, so I worry about that too, because I, Berkeley with my, his breathing problems, right? Uh, I mean, I guess if the barn's empty and you're leaving it empty for a while, then it's probably fine. But I always worry like kicking all that dust up. I know. mean, we don't so have, it's not that much dust. It really isn't. And like we have fans huh. blowing in the stalls. So I feel like it moves it pretty quickly through the barn, you know, like it's not hanging in the air for very long. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I don't even know if I have a leaf blower. I gotta, I gotta look in a garage. <laughs> do you guys, do you guys have like specific things for mucking or anything else on the farm that like you can't live without? So I've seen some of like some farms locally here have like those automatic like stall mucking grate things, and I I thought about like wanting to get one, but I feel like I don't know. I just feel like I'd rather just do it the old fashioned way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, but other than that, like in terms of like equipment, I feel like I, one thing I'm missing in my farm is a mini fridge. And I know that's really odd because it's like 10 feet from my house. So I could just walk and really use the refrigerator in the house. But like for my ice boots and stuff like that, I'm like, I want a little fridge out here. Also, I want to be able to keep alcohol out in the barn because it's, you know, sometimes it's a long 10 steps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for our guest tonight on the show. It's Allison Springer. She's a veteran five-star event rider. She's a very, very good trainer and coach. She has a lot of different aspects in that that she gives to a bunch of people. And she has actively competes all over North America, trains, shows horses for clients. She teaches professionals and amateurs. 
She has also been named the USEF High Performance Training List and for the nation's national team riders and was shortlisted for the London Olympics. Hey, Allison. Hi, how you doing? Good. How's it going? Good. You left out my dog training skills. (laughs) With Cody? (laughs) I'm hoping it's going to be better. I might need to ask your boyfriend. I might need to ask your boyfriend about his dog training skills because his dog is so good. Well, obviously, you weren't at that pre-purchase exam because Joni and Kevin Keene today were laughing. They're like, we heard you calling for your dogs today. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, no. That doesn't actually, sound good. <laughs> actually, uh, I, I can pretty much untrain any good dog. They're happy with me. The dogs are happy. But anyway, they love no, you. it's probably best. Yeah, it's probably best that it's not on my <laughs> not on your accolades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I no, you can train be. probably everything else except for a dog. Yeah, totally. They're happy. They love me though. But uh, oh, they do. I can't actually wait to see your new puppy. I am excited to meet your new oh. puppy. Yeah, he's adorable. He is adorable. So, so. speaking of new okay. things, I am so excited to talk that you just bought a new farm. I, it is so, the best thing I have ever done, ever. <laughs> you have to tell us all about it. it. So where's it located for all the listeners? Yeah, it's in Upperville, Virginia, which is the beautiful little town just west of Middleburg. And, you know, I have been pretty blessed with having great long-term rentals. I've always had great relationships with the people I rent from and it's, you know, all that sort of stuff. But that being said, you know, I do spend a lot of money in rent every year and my accountant for years, and I just adore my accountant. She's like, don't you think this should go towards a mortgage? And I never really thought I could do it, but this opportunity came up and I'm like, I got to do it. (laughs) I just have to do it. And it's, I'm so excited. The pictures look amazing. And it's located right across from like the Upperville show. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it's on Route 50. So it'd be like just west of like the Upperville Horse Show Grounds, but still east, still on the Middleburg side of downtown Upperville. But really my driveway, so my the access, the easement that my driveway on is that like the baseball field that's right next to the gas station downtown. And then it's right alongside Buchanan Hall, which is where, you know, they do some weddings and concerts. So I'm on Route 50, but I'm not really on. My gate is like on the other side of the baseball field. So the cool thing is, is that, you know, the drive, I'm right downtown Upperville, pretty much the driveway. So getting in and out of the driveway, it's in a 30 mile per hour zone. So it's not a fat, you know, you can get trailers in and out easy. But then I'm far enough back where my gate begins. And then it's like this about just shy of 40 acres, this rectangular piece that goes straight back. And the view of the mountains is just to die for. <laughs> it's like wow. amazing. And, you know, I have a indoor arena and then all like it has all these glass um, garage doors all along the side. So in the summer, you can open them up and it's essentially a covered arena and then oh, the winter is that's down awesome. with all this beautiful natural like yeah it's unbelievable so the people i bought it from the hassies so some of you may know like katie hassie she's an event rider and she's done an amazing job with pet connect like pet rescue and so she's really more into dog rescue so when her parents decided to put the whole estate on the market because they still the main estate is still for sale and my my property was part of the main estate and then I found out just under the radar that they would be willing to sell off the equestrian facility because the people you know looking at the main estate like they don't want a 24 you know they want like a six stall barn for their hunt horses or private horse you know not a 24 stall barn kind of commercial setup but the great thing is the hassies have put so much care into maintaining this place and they've just been so amazing to work with as far as you know there's it just you know i know everything about how know how to take care of it already we've done some improvements with the driveway and this and that but it's just a great thing it's just it's just beautiful i'm so excited for you 
Yeah, yeah. So it's good, yeah. So, and then, you know, just as far as being able to, you know, when you rent, I mean, like I said, I've been pretty blessed with the places I've had to rent, but now, you know, this is my place, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stresses that go with it and all that, but, you know, I do have my unicorn boyfriend who pretty extraordinary he just you know he does a lot of renos and owns some trailer parks and all that so he already knows he gets like a lot like i had i had one broken pipe and that was like fixed in a half an hour i'm like if i didn't have him i would have had to pay someone just to show up (laughs) you know like 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 after hour you know it's like he just knows how to do it's pretty awesome and you know, he has, he already has this giant lift that, you know, he had his buddy bring over to the barn and we were up there checking out the roof of the indoor and like checking out the bird situation up in the route. I'm like, I, I would have to pay someone to do that. And here we are together just having a giggle in the evening, like up on his lift, you know, it's, that's awesome. Hysterical. It, it's really fun. It's fun to be, you know, to do all this stuff. And he, you know, he's been awesome. We've, you know, I went, I went from my closing straight to Lowe's to pick up all the new flooring for the house and my office in the barn. And we just did it on the weekend. We got it all done. Wow. <laughs> it's that's beautiful. Amazing. So yeah, we're, we're totally hands-on doing it. So it's fun. Really so fun. Allison, do you have any advice to, you know, others who are, who might be listening, who are considering buying their own farm, uh, you know, maybe especially a commercial property? Uh, like take us through like how you decided this was the property for you. Well, I would say, you know, the recommendation I give, you know, most, you know, I have a lot of girls that have worked for me and, and boys too, but mainly girls that have worked for me and go on and become professionals and people ask advice and all that. And I have always said, like you having the right people, like doing things right on the business side is incredibly important. So, and I'm just, my accountant, Julie Nelson is one of the best people in my life. She has been with me for years and years. And so she gets my whole finance. She's been so great for my business. And, and I think that's huge because you can't just, you know, for me to buy this farm, you know, I did have to get an SBA guaranteed loan. So that's a small business and administration. That's who did all the PPP loans and all that with all the COVID and, you know, COVID relief and all that sort of stuff this year. So Usually with commercial properties, you have to have 20 to 25% down. So right. I really wanted to get myself into a farm credit loan because, you know, farm credit is unreal. It, you know, if, if I could get in that loan, I would have had like a 30-year fixed rate. And, and farm credit's interesting because you actually join into, you know, it's like this membership that you sort of join join into and they pay you back every year a percentage of your interest paid. Like, and so my effective rate would have been like almost 3% after that payback. And to have that locked in on a farm for 30 years is pretty tremendous. Wow. Yeah. However, my, my sticking point, so a lot of people I know, I know Jan Binney this year is a good friend of mine. She was able to refi her farm and get it with farm credit and get into, and, and that's, you know, eventually that's what I'd like to do. I can't for three in these first three years, I, I have a prepayment penalty, but I don't think the rates are going to change a ton in the near future, but that's just what I'm waiting on. But anyways, this SBA guaranteed loan was, you know, my loan is from Blue Ridge Bank. Blue Ridge Bank, this group in Winchester is the one who gave me the loan and they were looking at different loan options for me, but this specific SBA guaranteed loan, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're taking the risk on my business. So this, I could put only 10% down, which is still a lot of money. And, and, you know, I'm pretty grateful to, I borrowed a little money from my boyfriend's mom and then my parents were generous and you know, I had a little money and all that. And we got it all done, but you know, the 25% was just never going to happen. So, but this SBA loan, I mean, it was a painful process. It took so many weeks. I mean, it is, um, it's much, it's beyond just showing someone your financials and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they wanted to know everything. Like, how did I fare? Like, who are my competitors in the area? And how do I compare to them? And how did my business fare during COVID? And what would, what if it happens again? Well, just a lot. I mean, a ton and a lot of environmental stuff with properties around. It was a very, very involved underwriting process. And I just, 
I would never have been able to navigate it on my own, like to have someone like Julie, my accountant in my life. So that whole business side was already lined up and very organized. And she's someone who has been a part of my life for a long time and believed in me and really wanted this for me. So it was, she went above and beyond. It was, you know, she just jokes. She's like, my whole life is Alison Springer right now. (laughs) Perfect. She's got, she's got, so she's got plenty on her plate already. So that's kind of my big thing was, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, like, how'd you do it? What was this? How do I get an SBA? I'm like, you, you know, you go to the, you go to the bank first. You don't go to the SBA. It's the bank that, you know, did this. So essentially the bank's lending me the money. But if for whatever reason, like, you know, I default on my loan and they can only sell my farm for like, you know, a million, then the SBA will make them whole. You know, that's the back, you know, that's, that's the guaranteed part, you know, that you do pay fees, you know, to the SBA that you won't see back. There's, there's downsides that aren't the best, but for me, you know, having that, you know, having the ability to get in on this loan and then my plan is to refi in three years and I'm pretty excited, you know, and I certainly, I know that the Hassies, I, I did, I will say I did write them the letter, the best letter of a lifetime. I had one of my <laughs> great owners, Fran Robinson, I was out in Boston teaching and or actually Providence teaching and we, I'm like, I got to get, you know, they, they came back like, we need your best and final offer by tomorrow. Cause someone else put a bid in for like the same amount. And this is before this thing was listed on the open market. So, you know, it's two local people. And so I, I didn't have more money to offer my agent. My real estate agent was like my boyfriend's best friend. So he cut his commission in half it, which is really nice. And then, you know, I wrote you know, the letter was hysterical because it was like, okay, I'm, you know, trying to see what I can offer up to sweeten the deal here. You know, as you can imagine, as an event rider, I have amassed like, you know, a very impressive personal estate, you know, so like I offered up like my 15 year old dying Jack Russell, you know, with pee pads included (laughs) and like my, my entire collection of pony club ribbons and trophies, you know, and, you know, let riding lessons for life and like my boyfriend's aquarium and just stuff like kind of funny stuff. Cause I know he has a sense of humor, but then I was like, Oh my gosh. In all serious, like in all seriousness, like this is a dream come true. And it's like to find a place that has been so well taken care of, you know, and I really admire that too. Like, it's not like I'm, you know, there, there are improvements that we needed to make to make it better for my business. Like the, you know, the footing in the indoor, like needed, I have that done already. And the driveway just needed to be extended certain things. So you get more trailer parking and all that, you know, things like that, but really it's a very good working property. It's not like I'm going in having to do massive, you know, and, and that meant a lot to them to have someone who cared that much about the property. And so they chose me, which is huge. And, and I'm very grateful to them for that. So that's my little dream come true. Aww. So I yeah. heard too, that one of your rides was named the USEA six-year-old of the year. That's another awesome yeah. dream come true. Like it's my second year in a row with that. I, last year was the first year they had it, and my little you know quarter Connemara Crystal Crescent Moon won it a year ago, and then Van Dyke won it this year. So that was really fun. Yeah, it's a huge honor. What are your tips for riders bringing along young horses? Like, what's your mindset when you're bringing them up through the levels? Oh, you know, you always just one hundred percent have to listen to the horses. You know, I've I've kind of bought a number of different horses, and I've tried. You know, this whole I've been blessed with great syndicate people, but sometimes, you know, it's really hard picking the right horse all the way. And that, like, I haven't always gotten that right. I've bought some pretty extraordinary horses that didn't, you know, that had all like the magnificent movement ability, but didn't maybe have the right mind for it. So it's funny when I went and bought Van Dyke and that was the one that his his bar name is Rico and he's owned by the Rico syndicate. But when I went to Ireland to buy him, I was specifically, I'm like, you know what? I just, I need a horse with a really good mind, no matter what a really good mind. It has to have three good gates. Like I don't want an extravagant mover because they don't tend to hold up at the upper levels. You know, you want a horse like, like Arthur was not any extravagant mover. He was actually very average, but three very correct gates. 
you know, a natural lead change, and then you can produce movement from that. I think that's important, you know, for the longevity of a horse. Obviously, Arthur didn't have the easiest mind of all time, but this horse, Rico, he has a great mind. But I wouldn't say, like, if you saw him, if you just saw him and warm up, you you wouldn't think he was the fanciest, most amazing thing. He's incredibly scopy, but he has, like, a very just efficient technique. Like, he doesn't uh, wow you. I mean, in his flat work wasn't awesome, but I just, you know, I bought him from Karen Dixon, who, you know, people know her as Karen Straker from back in the day. She wrote Get Smart and Too Smart and all that, and she was on teams with Ian Stark and Mark Phillips and all, you know, she just, she was known, she's just an awesome cross-country rider and a really 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 just fun person i love her so she's it's the second horse i bought from her and they're just uh, for me i felt like i've always needed better cross-country horses and then i can sort of get the technical especially the dressage side because the horses that come from her are pretty terrible on the flat that is (laughs) i don't have great mouths or anything but I think the more I go down the road, the mind is so important because, you know, these competitions and these venues are getting a lot more or a lot less natural feeling for the horses. I mean, even a try-on that's full of log buildings and cabin homes and that looks so pretty, it doesn't feel very natural for the horses there. So, you know, horse that, you know, their mind is, is really important. But as far as bringing them along, you really have to just, listen to them you know it wasn't my goal to have you know the six-year-old preliminary horse there and and in fact you know that horse didn't win a single event last year and when the USCA reached out to me at the end of the year like we need a picture for your you know year end award I'm like so you had a horse that won a year end award I'm like which one like like that didn't happen last year, you know like I mean I had a fine year but I didn't have anything that won a ton you know the year before the crystal crescent moon horse who was the six-year-old he won a lot this horse just kept ticking off really t- solid results and you know and at two-star fei stuff as well and he just always finished right up there and he's just incredibly consistent and that's at the end of the day what you need so i, I will say i don't have it all figured out <laughs> still working at it i'm still working at it but yeah but the mind is important to me i'm i'm beyond getting chucked at the starbucks like that's not fun anymore you know no no 100 percent. no Mm-mm. no so i don't mind a bit of sna- a sass like i love the business ben sass but you know he's my he's, newest favorite he is my newest favorite he's, he's, so. a, he's a safe horse like yeah, yeah no he loves it he's his sass is just pure genuine love for the sport and he's a thoroughbred and can't help himself but he's always been like the kid with the rubik's cube just trying to figure it out you know yeah he's really no. fun so, no we thank you so much him. for joining us and we you guys well, all good. the listeners will have to definitely check out some of allison's up-and-coming horses because they are they are truly special so well thank you But thanks for coming on. With saddles for every discipline and confirmation priced at just $14.99, that's $1,499, there is an arena saddle that's perfect for you. Look for them at your local saddlery. All right, guys, since this whole episode has really been framed around barn and farm management, like owning a farm, buying a farm, I wanted to ask both of you, as people who own your own farms, Ellie, I know you've been doing a lot of work on your arenas. I want to hear more about that. That that sounds like it's a whole project. But then Jess, obviously you and Doug are building your dream farm in North Carolina. And I want to hear updates on that too. But Ellie, why don't we start with you? How's it going with your arena management? <laughs> um, so, I love when Ellie comes on for these. So here's the thing. I thought it would be like, so... Long story short, the arena that, like, I was lucky. I I had a, like, it's like a 60 by 65, I think, by, like, 118 or something. So, like, basically 65 by 120. Indoor arena attached to the barn came with the property. Indoor arenas are way less expensive than outdoor arenas in terms of the footing because you don't have to worry about, like, drainage and runoff and weather and all the crap like that. 
So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my money. Obviously, I live in a place where it snows and it's cold like 80% of the time. I'm going to put my money into the indoor arena because that's the one I'm probably going to use the most. Right? Makes sense. So back in, I don't know, fall of last year, I, I had them come and work on the indoor arena because it was like, it's like a weird gravel that the old owners had in there. Um, and there was also no base like at all. Like it was just, they, like there were boulders, like it just, they just put, I'm like, Oh God, this is rough. So basically what they did for my arena is I dug down eight inches, I think something like that. It was deep. Okay. (laughs) Then they put the crusher run and then we did a stone dust base and then they, they make sure that's moist and they rolled it out like super flat and used all their like fancy level equipment and stuff like that. And then for footing, I was kind of at a loss, right? Because I do both the, the jumping and the raining and there's really and truly no good footing for both, you know? So you kind of have to either choose like, cause raining footing, right? You want it to be, you know, fine enough that they can slide through it and you know jumping obviously you want them to have you know more ability to oh what's the word stability that's the word I'm looking for to jump off of the ground right so I was like well what can I do to kind of handle both ends of that so what I did was I worked with footing first and I got their all right footing so it's a it's a blend and it's dust free. It's like they basically have sand and then they mix it with with wax. So it's it's like a silica sand, but it's a little different. So it allows me to kind of fluff it up. So basically the way I roll it depends on how it is going to perform. So if I, you know, have the tongs in and drag it up and then don't have the roller really low, I I kind of fluff it up a little bit for raining. Versus if I have the roller on and the tongs not in as deep, then I can kind of compress it more to create a better jumping surface. So it costs a lot of money. <laughs> so I took out a loan for it and I, I did it and I don't regret it at all. Then this past summer, I had a groundhog infestation. I remember that. Um, in my yeah. arena. Yeah. So... <laughs> there were holes in my arena and I'm like, I just spent like all of this and I'm anal about my arena. Like my dogs are not allowed to poop in there. The horses, like it, the poop gets removed immediately, you know? So I had to fix all that and they had to put, they had to redo the whole like stone dust to make sure it was re-level and then they redid everything. So I'm hoping that that doesn't, turn into a yearly thing <laughs> um hopefully with the prevention with the gates and stuff or not the gates the basically chicken wire what they put around the barn hopefully that'll prevent any more groundhogs from deciding to live in my little playpen so yeah but in terms of like ring management what they've always told me is that it kind of depends on obviously how much traffic you have so like for me i mean max i ride four horses in a day right so i don't have to drag every day i'm looking more at like driving dragging every once a week and right now with winter time i'm keeping my drag in the corner of my arena because the snow is up seven feet up my uh my my door to yeah yeah no it's bad like my people door is not existent so i have to go through like the big front door um to get in and out of the barn yep yeah, windrifts are great on a mountain. That was a good choice. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's crazy, and I I really am looking to do my outdoor. But then I got the quote for it, and I'm just like, I gotta save up a little more money because there's so much more to think about. Did you guys know that like outdoor arenas have to have like the smallest amount of like degree change so that yeah. the runoff is different? Yep. Oh, interesting. The crown of it and stuff, like the pitch or whatever Uh, they call it. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. So are you guys, where are you guys at with North Carolina? Okay. So we are so close, like so close. So we will be moving probably after the fork. 
most likely after the fork, I'm going to say that, but you know what? I also thought I was leaving five years ago, so I'm not really going to say a definitive answer, but now it all looks good <laughs> that we'll actually, after all of this, be moving up. But the arena has been like one of the biggest things because we've been on a bunch of different services and stuff. So yeah, we're doing an outdoor. And so, yeah, they're doing a pitch that kind of goes where it makes sure, you know, the drainage is not going towards the barn and that it's going in the right direction and all that. And so we're very, very fortunate that our builder has done a lot of arenas as well. So it's kind of like a hand in hand thing. And then we, we did something different. We didn't really go with like one type of thing, like one brand type of whatever. So we're actually, we've done like a fiber blend. So it's not just one brand of something and it's just really good fiber blend with good silica sand and so it's got to come from one place in particular where they get the sand and they've got to ship it in and it'll be very very similar to the footing at try on like so they'll do the base very similar so like that's what we've talked a lot about and so we actually then not just for the arena itself so we bought that mixture and they are doing you know whatever for like the base and all of that so that it's really good with the pitch, all of that. So then, and I think it's going to be 150 by 200 or something similar to that. So it'll be a good size outdoor ring with cross country all around. But then on top of it, what's interesting is we actually bought extra fiber and sand blend to, um, cause we we're buying it in bulk. So it was obviously cheaper in the long run. It wasn't cheap. Let's get real. But <laughs> we have a big track around. So our whole perimeter is going to be a gallop track. And we've talked to like a bunch of uh, people that do turf tracks on how they keep that going and stuff. So we actually bought extra fiber and sand mix that we plan to add to the gallop track over time. So we'll have it and over periods, just keep adding it. And it will allow the grass to grow through and develop like a resilient footing throughout all the years. So then our gallop track will actually go along the perimeter and we can then create that turf like track that should provide a reliable footing for our horses year round. So like when they go gallop, they can actually be on good footing as well without having it footing based, if that makes sense. So we're using the natural resources we have and then adding to it to basically create what we want. So how long does it take like for them to come in and, sp- you know, level the ground, spread all the footing around, like, because that sounds like such a big project. It is a bro- big project. So it will come, like I said, at least we're very fortunate that we've got the builder and um, his, one of his crew that comes in to do it. And so they've actually already leveled out the pad to what they wanted when the excavators were there doing a bunch of stuff. And when, um, then they'll come in and Last thing they have to do is just bring in, we have the fiber um, mix already there. Now we just have to bring in this certain sand that they're bringing in. Got it. So we have a lot of it. So it's just for us, it's been longer than normal because we haven't done it all at once. Like they've been right. Like their focus is getting done with the barn, like ASAP, like do not concentrate on the arena. Like we have to get the barn done. <laughs> like, right. Right. Sure. I want to be moved in and not in May. So um, <laughs> that's been our biggest thing is like making sure it is. So on like certain days they have the equipment. They're like, Oh, we're already here with X, Y, and Z. We're going to do this for the arena. I'm like, okay. That's not taking away time from this, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. You can stop being you. (laughs) So I've been trying to. So it's Rose and Thorn time. And I'm going to go ahead and lead us off because I don't want Ellie to steal my thunder. So I'm going to steal it. (laughs) And my rose is really quick because it actually goes with the last segment I just said. So my rose is a farm. So we already talked about that. So we're moving in all this. So I'm super excited. That's definitely, definitely my rose. But my thorn is that Ellie did not actually clip her legs, that she shaved them. I know. I thought you were going to like, you know, going to make it a Patreon video and everything. And then you went and shaved them, huh? 100% my thorn. Listen, do you not love us as much as your boyfriend? Is that the problem that you decided to shave for him? She chose him over us, but I I understand. You know, give it another six months and we'll probably be at the same place again. (laughs) Um, Maybe maybe she'll pick us that time. So fear not. It will happen. 
I was just, uh, it, was, it was actually getting to the point where it was getting stuck in my pants and like pulling on me. So um, gross. My God. So gross. It, was, it wasn't nice. It was painful. So I was like, screw this. And, so is that um, your thorn too? That it took me like, gross? I ran out of hot water. Okay, that's how long it took me to so we'll get move on my. To, we'll move on to your, we're going to move on to your rose and thorn because that's got to be one of the two, and I'm just not sure which it is yet. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I guess it's my rose, right? Because I feel like uh, it's definitely Matt's it, rose, right? Yeah, it's I think that sure Matt was like, "Oh wow, <laughs> I am dating a woman, not an ogre." So I think he enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was not ashamed of me when I was walking around in shorts or I feel like it was probably an insult to his masculinity. Cause I had more hair than him. So I think it was probably like, he was like, Oh, oh my, my God. goodness. But so that would be, that would be my road. What? No, that's my thorn because I ran out of hot water. So it was, a, it was a horrible time. My back hurt from being bent over for so long, trying to <laughs> get through it all. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good time. It's making my thorn uh, sound better. I don't recommend it uh, getting uh. getting that long. But I think I think my rose would be that I'm like it's finally starting to warm up enough where I'm getting to ride. And I actually just did my little well, he'll be five now this year. Um, my little quarter horse. I just did him in a, a curb bit for the first time. So it's a little bit, just a little bit of leverage. So he's officially moved out of a snaffle, which is super sad for me, but also like super exciting. Um, and I wrote him, I practiced riding him like strictly one handed the other day. And he's just like the smartest horse I think I've probably ever worked with. So it's just like super exciting to kind of see him grow in that way. I'm like, wow, you, you don't need me to ride you with two hands. Like I was like, really? Like I was like, oh, okay, maybe I did something right with this one. So I think that was my rose is just like seeing how how much he's matured um, over time. Cause I, I met him as a three month old. So it's, it's crazy to see, you know, just how, how good he's gotten and just what a good guy he is. So that would be my Rose. Nice. And then Justine, what's you? I love when you post pictures of him, Ellie. He's so cute. He is so cute. I'm so bummed. He didn't get to pull the sleigh this year because it was like three feet. Then like so no snow. Funny. Um, so, you know, next, next, next winter. Next time. That sleigh is, that sleigh is just going to be an ornament. I know it. <laughs> Matt told me. Anyway, <laughs> Justine, what is your rose? I don't know if this is a rose or a thorn or if I should even be saying it on the air yet. But I know oh, um, I went and rode a horse for sale and I think I'm buying another one. Maybe. Is this yeah. the one you sent me photos <laughs> yeah. of? Yeah, I sent Ellie some videos of it. So what it's a, is it? It's another thoroughbred. It's the lady I bought. It's a lady, Mikey. It is no, a no, lady no, Mikey. It's a gelding. It's a gelding. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So it's another Mikey, basically. It's, yes. So it's the lady I bought Mikey from. She like sent me a text and was like, "Oh my god, I have his twin. Do you want to come look at him?" And he's he's huge. He's bigger than Mikey. He sticks at seventeen one. He's a big giant chestnut. He's like three weeks off the track. And I wrote him. I'll send you a video, Jess. Okay, and he's, perfect. He's just way cute. And now I'm like, do I need a second one? <laughs> what am I going to do with the second one? But he's just he's just so cute. I don't want to let him go. I don't know. So I'm thinking about it. <laughs> That's what I said two horses ago. <laughs> and 25 okay. cats ago. Oh my no, gosh. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so it no, makes I thought, a whole lot more sense cute. if I had like a farm, you know, and like, you know, had so two are you horses. buying a farm too? I mean, eventually I would love to, you know, but am I buying a farm right now? No. So <laughs> <laughs> do I need another one? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. He's just so darn cute. I don't know what to do. How can I, do you it. know? Bite the bullet. You only live once. Debt is I, not a the, real thing. It's a social construct. No, it is a very real thing. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus. So I don't know. He's just really cute. So I'm, um, you know, I'm making, I'm making sure I can, you know, do it, not like ruin my life. But, but yeah, he's just real cute. So I don't know. I should tell Jess that 
Justine texted me and said, tell me not to buy this horse. And yeah. I was just like, look at them legs. <laughs> you got to take them. That's yeah. amazing. The problem is I've I'm texted like, I'm, like six good horse girlfriends and I'm like, all right, I need you to tell me all the realistic reasons. Like, bring me back to earth on why I don't need one, you know, and not one of them have been successful, including Becky, who works at Heels Down. So <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to get the you do not need a second one. <laughs> conversation. Probably not. So the people that's you. It too. Yeah. OK, <laughs> but I don't think Becky or Ellie would be Ellie of all people would definitely not be the one to tell you not to get an animal. <laughs> yeah. This is true. Yeah, that was that was your mistake. I'm that was taking your the fault. blame for things. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I'm maybe I'm selectively picking people who I think are gonna, you know. I was gonna say, I think if you really wanted the honest <laughs> truth, you'd ask me, but you picked Ellie, who's gonna tell you yes, pick that horse all day long. <laughs> He's real cute. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, so it's my rose and my thorn, I guess, a little bit because all in one. Yeah. Does Alex know yet? Yeah, he knows. He knows. He's going to find out on Friday, if not. (laughs) (laughs) He did this thing where he was real sweet, where he was like, he looked at me and he was like, uh, okay. And then, but then he was like, I trust you. And then, but then that puts, puts it back on me. Right. Cause then I'm like, well, now he's, he's putting it in, you know, in my court. So I have to make the responsible decision. (laughs) You know, like it's, I wish, I almost wish he would have said yes or no, not the, I trust you. Cause now I just hear him in the back of my head every time. I'm like, do I need the second horse? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's worse. Yeah. So, the saga will continue. I'll let you know if I do it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, we got a mailbag from Berkeley in the Facebook group. Um, and I'm interested to know what you guys think, because you obviously have more flies or flies more frequently throughout the year than I do. Have you guys tried any feed through fly control? Does it work? So she's down south um, as well. And she said the flies are out almost year round. Um, and now that with spring and summer coming, they're absolutely horrible. Uh, and she just wants to know uh, what to do to flatten the curve of flies. And if it's worth it, if you notice a difference. So I'll chime in on this first. Everybody in the barn has to be on that fly control is the problem. So if you're in a very small, for it to work, that's what I've found like that every, and I I could be wrong. This is just like personal experience that if they're not all on it, then it doesn't work. So then you're still creating it. So for us, it's just too much to have the 28 horses on it. So we actually do, um, I think if you're on like it's affordable and it's like there, like smaller amounts. I think you try it because I have seen some barns have success with it. Smaller barns for bigger barns. The biggest thing I found is having a fly system. Like overhead, overhead spray and it runs. We've tried the second hand. The other thing I found is like the fly bait and that you can set out. Like it's not a feed through thing that you can set it out, but we have to like, honestly enough we've done it like those smart pack little like you know containers the little like cups we've put it in there because it's like something you lay out and they they eat them and stuff and that has helped it's called fly bait i think i got it like tractor supply or something like that i've used that when the fly system wasn't up at the barn we were renting until actually we got it working and then that was much better but between those two things that hands down has been the best for us yeah, I've never done the the feed through thing. I've known people who have done it here in Florida, and I I just always thought it was pretty expensive for what it was. It's super uh, expensive, and I just have not seen. And I think result. if you have four horses, then you'd be fine. Like a private barn, and you can feed like garlic or whatever else. Like I've I've heard of that working, but well, nothing more than a small barn. Right. Well, well so that- here's my question then, because right, so I would be considered a small barn. I could potentially put six horses on it, but my question is. My neighbors have horses and they live across the street. So is it worth it for me if their horses aren't on it? That's why well, I didn't do like how the fly predators. Like super close. Oh no, pro- fly predators are great. That's actually well, great. if their horses aren't on it. I think it they, will, or like if they eat it'll still help in it. your barn. How often yeah. are your horses in the barn? I forgot. Fly predators are great. We've always done fly predators, and that is amazing. And even if you have neighbors and stuff, that will do the control, I think, a ton. 
Okay. So maybe that's what I'll have to try. But I yeah, I forget mean, about those. Their horses, like, I mean, their horses have a 32-acre pasture, so they're not always on the other side of the road. But they like to eat up there when my horses are out front. So The um, fly predators are huge, but you have to start them early and then just consistently stay on it. And that's probably okay. one of the most cost-effective ways if you don't have a fly system. Hmm. Is that horse flies, too, or just... We don't have don't, a lot of horse flies. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think so. Uh, we don't get a lot oh. of horse flies, either. Why the heck? Why do I live in the place where it's cold and I have horse flies? <laughs> you are asking two of the exact wrong people about this. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyone want to farm and jill it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> maybe. So if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on air, you can send us an email by going to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you could always join our Facebook group, which is called the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. If you want to hear more from us, subscribe to the Heels Down Brief. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And we want to say thank you to our partners this week, Arena Saddles, Eco Gold. And I think that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.